Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This is Issues 2020. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Wichita Public School Superintendent Dr. Alicia Thompson. Welcome to Issues 2020, Dr. Thompson. Nice to have you with us. Thank you for the invitation. I'm glad to be here. Well, schools are at center stage now in this pandemic story, and that, and that's our main topic today. But first, I, I'd like to get some background, uh, if we may. How, how long have you been superintendent of USD 259 now? Um, I have been the superintendent for three years. Three years. I'm still a young pup. <laughs> still learning the ropes in some ways, then, probably. Yes, I am. I am. How many students uh, attend Wichita Public Schools? We're right around 49,000 students at this point. How, is that down a little bit? Seems like we got up close to 52 or 3 a, a few years ago. Is that down a bit? Uh, we've not been at 53 for a while. We've been around that, hovering that 49,000, yeah. 50,000 for the last, at least since I've been in the job, three years. Okay. So how many teachers do we have? Um, We are sitting around, well, mm, probably um, about 4,000 teachers or so. Yeah. Wow. I think about my other staff member trying to take them off. But that teacher is about 4,000. Yeah. yeah. And then how many administrative and support staff on the payroll do you know? Uh, Not 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 breaking out, but you want to look how many how many employees part-time and uh, full-time yeah. we're around 9,000 employees. Yeah. It's a, if you look at it, it's, it's basically or, or strictly from an economic standpoint, the USD 259 has a huge impact on yes, everything sir. that's going yes, on. Sir. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, let me ask you this. When did you first become aware uh, of the uh, coronavirus and its potential impact uh, on schools here in the U S when did you first know about that? Well, we we were made aware of the impact probably sometime right before uh, spring break, a little couple weeks before spring break. We knew that there were some things happening that could potentially impact us as a school district. And, and at the Last point, you, March. and did you realize at that point that this was going to be a pretty a huge challenge for the schools? Absolutely not. I thought, well, you know, this will last for a little. We'll, you know, we can finish out the rest of the school year this way, and we'll be able to come back in the fall and resume. Uh, that was my uh, hope and desire. <laughs> I think a lot of people think it's going to be like the flu season or something. Not going to be much to it. And my gosh, it, it kind of mushroomed on us. Mm. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Now, who did you turn to on your staff? Who who attended those initial meetings? Is- well, we, we actually immediately uh, began to uh, set forth a pandemic team. So when uh, the district did, uh, we, we had um, our all of the divisions of our district. So you're talking about the finance team, the communications teams, the academic teams, 
uh, our operations team, uh, maintenance crew teams. I mean, so we just put a group of team of people that represented every aspect of the organization. And we called ourselves the pandemic team. Uh, and we began to meet every single day um, and back before spring break and began to uh, plan how the rest of the school year would look. Uh, so that's kind of had been what we, uh, how that began uh, to form was just through that basic pandemic team that met daily to, to set out plans for the end of the school year, to the end of the school year. I can imagine myself going to those meetings and saying, I don't know anything about this because it's, well, it's a brand new much. ball game. It's a new game, right? Pretty much. Uh, we did a lot of divide and conquer. Uh, we did a lot of research, reading, following the CDC, you know, following Cedric County, um, you know, because they're the, you know, we're, we're educators. We are not health experts uh, or pandemic uh, folks. So we begin to just kind of follow, uh, you know, the experts and begin to build plans uh, from what we were learning and uh, reading about. Kind of just uh, learn on the job then on this type of thing. Yes, sir. Very much so. Describe, if you will, the challenge of changing your entire teaching structure and going to stay home instruction, stay at home instruction. Well, it was really a challenge for us for the simple fact that we didn't have the infrastructure. Uh, we didn't have technology for any of, you know, for all of our students to have a device. Uh, so while everybody, you know, were, was at home, there was really no way to really communicate with a lot of our families. So we started out with, uh, I call it antiquated, uh, but it was it worked. But we had uh, packets, uh, educational packets, where we were using our curriculum that we usually use with our students, and we were running them off, and we were distributing them, distributing them to our families. Uh, that was our mode of operation. Uh, for the uh, since in March all the way up until the end of the school term, we did, however, uh, because we knew our high school students are impacted kind of hugely about this because we want to make sure that they have what they needed to graduate. We did have enough devices to be able to distribute to our high school students those who needed it, and then those teachers were able in high school were able to continue instruction so that they can make sure that our high school kids did not lose anything. Um, from being in a pandemic situation. So uh, we, we did not have the optimal learning um, platforms to be able to do what we needed to do, but we did the best that we could and then targeted the students that we knew that would suffer the most as it relates to uh, finishing school and scholarships and those kinds of things to be able to move on. And that's, that was our strategy at that point. Okay, so when do classes uh, start? Is it uh, the day after Labor Day? Is it September 8th? September 8th. Okay. And just for those who don't know, uh, describe how this works. I mean, grade school kids have one, elementary one, and junior high and high have a, high school have another. Uh, is that correct? Yes. Um, the way our structure is going to work is uh, our, our pre-K through fifth grade students, parents have made selections, some of them, to be able to do a, a program we call My School Remote, which they are no longer on the site, but they have a technology device and internet access where they're able to uh, interact with their teachers. Uh, and then we have a group of uh, pre-K through five students whose parents have selected that they wanted those children to be on site, and we will have that option for elementary. And then the Board of Education, the members, uh, have decided that our um, middle school and high school students uh, would be uh, fully remote. Oh, all, all remote, Not, nobody at school then for them. 
That is correct. Okay, so now this brings to the next question, which is, how are you going to do that? I mean, well, are we going to have enough computers to go around? You talked about it earlier that you think you probably had enough. But do we have enough computers to, for every kid to have one? Well, when we realize that this pandemic may not pass away, uh, you know, as quickly as we wanted it to, we invested. So uh, in April of last year, or April of this year, uh, Board of Education members uh, invested in $24 million worth of technology for our school district. Um, And so even though there's, uh, you know, some, you know, the, the supply chain is a little wonky, uh, we were able to get them in in chunks, and right now we have enough to be able for whoever needs a device and technology access—I mean, internet access—we're able to provide that for our secondary students. So we sh- we are good to go, and our teachers have been training since the beginning of the month uh, on those platforms and learning how to use uh, what we're calling Microsoft Teams. It's such a cool uh, platform for teachers to use to work with all of their students, and so. Uh, they will be ready to go. Did those computer companies, out of the goodness of their heart, cut you some real good deals on those computers? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Okay, I got you. But it sounds like they get some really. There's some neat software out there, though, helping you out. Yes, it's really cool, and you know, teachers are able to decorate their screens to look like classrooms, and you know, they're able to have breakout rooms where kids can work together in groups and they can divide them into groups. I mean, it's just the coolest thing ever. So I think kids will be excited. I think they will feel engaged with some of the tools and activities that the teachers are going to be able to provide to the students. And so uh, we we have stepped up our game significantly uh, since since last March. Uh, you know, as a, as a graduate of USD 259, uh, I'd just like to express what I – was most concerned about when I was in school. How do you deal with students relying on schools for meals? <laughs> in other words, yeah. what are you doing about lunch? <laughs> well, we are feeding people lunch uh, <laughs> and breakfast. Uh, so we did not stop that. Even during the pandemic, uh, we were out and about uh, distributing meals in parking lots of buildings, of our school buildings, and ensuring that our kids had food to eat. With, my, with the remote learning that our middle school and high school students will do, we will do the exact same thing. As a matter of fact, we still have not stopped serving since March. We're serving today. Uh, so we are continuing to do that uh, and making sure that our children have exactly what they need in the, in the terms of nutrition. Okay. Let's, I'd like you to ask, assess for me the help that USD 259 has received from the local government and from the state and federal government. Uh, what kind of assistance or help have you gotten from them? Um, well, we actually, uh, the, as far as the local, uh, Cedric County, uh, our health officials, uh, we, they actually sit on, um, some of our uh, teams for our district, um, and they have been extremely helpful in helping us to understand numbers, helping us to understand, um, you know, what we're looking at as it relates to any health concerns, as we were looking at how we would come back and the safety measures and procedures that we need to put into place in our schools, they have been very, very helpful in helping us to be able to maneuver those medical waters, uh, best practices that, you know, mm-hmm. we are, you know, we're not the expert in. So we have been very pleased with the help uh, that the Central County folks have given us. But have they sent you tens of millions of dollars, Dr. Thompson? That's what I want to know. 
Um, <laughs> we did not spend tens of millions of dollars. No, no we did not get any of that okay. at all. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. no. <laughs> hey, you're listening to Issues 2020 on the Intercom radio stations, and our guest is Wichita Public School Superintendent Dr. Alicia Thompson. And now I want to get something uh, topical, okay, even more topical, and that is the COVID-19 Advisory Committee that uh, – you have the school board has decided to put in place, and uh, it's under your just jurisdiction. I understand. So, so what is this advisory committee? Who's going to be on it, and how, how are you doing on that? Yeah, we are in the process of continuing to make sure that we have uh, a representation um, from many different um, areas in our in our district, in our community, and also board members. So, we do not actually have a complete list yet. I know everybody's chomping at the bit of who's on it, who's on it. And we're not, uh, we don't have commitments from all of the folks yet. So we've reached out and I'll continue to reach out today. And at some point here in the future, we'll be able to have the list of committed um, participants and then we'll be able to, um, to share that with whomever needs to, to, to whoever wants to know about it. How many, we'll how, be able to do that. how many, do you know how many people will be on the, uh, how many positions you have? Is it? A certain number of um, people, or is it just? Well, I've reached out to about twenty folks. Yeah, uh, and, but I'm not exactly sure of all who will. So I won't say that there's twenty okay. people because there may be some people that say no. Right. So uh, you know, but but I did reach out to twenty people. You, that's that's fine. But as you get us an idea, are these are just people from? Are they people just in education? Or are they people in business? Are you taking kind of a wide uh, wide cross section of people on this? Yeah, because this is a medical piece, we're asking some physicians, of course. Uh, We're asking um, uh, people from Cedric County. We've asked people from the city. Uh, I've asked for some parents. I've asked for some business leaders. I've asked for some academia folks, uh, people that sit on our operations team. Uh, Of course, the members need to be uh, Board of Education members. I've asked for some nurses within our school district. So, again, if this is going to be a, a committee that's going to be around the health and wellness of, of, of our district, because really the purpose of that team is just to keep an eye on COVID in our community. Yeah. And uh, I want the best people who have the best knowledge of those kinds of things to sit on those teams. And, and it's going to be an advisory committee. They're not going to say they take a vote and then it's set in law. It's, it's basically to get some good minds together and, and give you some good ideas. Is that the, is that the idea? Pretty much, yes. Yeah. You know, um, we have had an advisory team, like I said, at the board meeting, we've had advisory teams since the beginning of the pandemic in, in May. I mean, in March, last March, we had an advisory team. We just didn't call it the COVID-19 advisory team. We called it the pandemic team. So uh, we've always had groups of advisory folks that it consisted of lots of people, and we've got lots of input from many, many folks all along our journey. The board wanted this particular committee to be developed because they wanted it to keep an eye on the COVID on a regular basis of what's happening in our community and then be able to report back to me, who then I would report back to the board, what is happening in our community? Are things changing for the better? Are they changing for the worse? And should the board be paying attention to that any at any particular time to make adjustments to the way we're delivering uh, instruction uh, and using those protocols uh, for the district. So pretty much that's the gist of this particular group. They're just kind of a, an advisory to the board. Well, it's advisory to me so that then I can go back and tell the board, you know, team has, has decided that we needed to take a look because the virus is getting really, you know, we, the, the numbers are coming down really low, and now we want all our kids back on site. 
Yeah, that's kind of the gist of what they're. You know, and you hold out some some hope there. I mean, uh, that maybe things will change in the next few weeks or months. That, that, that's, I'm hopeful. That's I'm hopeful. hopeful. Yeah. Well, tell yes, us about the pan- tell us about the pandemic's impact on, on this year's sports and and graduation programs and, and extracurricular activity. Yeah. First, I'm just going to say this has been the most emotional thing for me because I know the importance of kids being able to. I'm just going to talk about prom. You know, we missed prom. We didn't get graduation. I mean, you know, uh, all of the things that, you know, that typically kids, and you think about middle school, we have middle school graduations to high school. You have kindergarten graduations. I mean, so the whole gamut of activities that we do in the spring were put to a halt. And it was very, uh, you know, it was emotional for us because we know what, how important that is for kids. But when you think about, you know, not having those activities for kids and then not having those opportunities for our families is just devastating. So I guess I would say, you know, we still have hope. We want people to wear the mask, do all things that they need to do uh, so that we could get those numbers down so that we can stop having as much disappointment for our kids than, than what we're having right now. But at this point, as we speak and as we're doing this interview, the, the, the fall uh, you know, football and you know, cross country and all of that, it's out. It's not going to happen. Is that correct? Well, as of today, yeah. um, the, like I, as I stated, uh, that advisory team um, is, has been given a directive from the Board of Education um, they will be meeting, and I don't know when they'll be meeting at this point until we find out all our members. And then, we, But we were given a, to move quickly, yeah. so we're going to be meeting quickly. And then they will be able to see if they can put their smart brains together and see uh, what kinds of options or new information that can be brought to the board uh, for consideration. They're going to have some of the kids and some of the schools and the educators. Can you describe some of the efforts to maintain those safe surroundings in the many buildings of the school district? What's being done to yeah. keep it safe? Oh, my God, there are many of them. If anybody wants to know the full scope, they could go to our website, uh, you know, and there, there is just like 20 pages worth of things that uh, are happening. But some of the significant ones that I feel like are really going to uh, prove us well is our ventilation systems with our filters and the changing of the filters on a regular basis and the types of filters that we're using to keep the airflow, the fresh air coming into the buildings. I think that's pretty significant. Um, of course, we, are, we have reduced the number of students in the building by offering choices for families to choose to be in or out. Uh, as you probably heard, we have about a 60-40 split there uh, of, of 40% of our kids are out. Their parents have selected to do my school remote. And then there's about 60% of our kids that are inside on, on site in our building. So kind of reducing the number of students that are inside of our buildings is another strategy. We will be wearing masks in all of our buildings, every staff, every student from pre-K up. Uh, we also are doing temperature checks. Uh, we will be checking temperatures before students or staff enter into buildings. Um, I, I, there are... Um, Different, we are cohorting our students together so that as you know, you don't get to move around and be all over the place, you stay with your group of students and the cohort of students. So that if we had to do any uh, contract tracing, we know exactly who was where and what they were doing. So we will be doing a lot of that uh, work as well. And just, just the normal cleaning, we have uh, cleaning protocols that we've worked on. 
uh, with all of our health officials of what's the best way, what's the best type of cleaning solution. So we've shifted all of our cleaning solutions and the types of hand sanitizers and making sure it has the right amount of alcohol in it and so on and so forth. I mean, it has been a tremendous, I have become an expert in a lot of things right now. Mm. Uh, so it has been um, a, a very long learning curve, but we have a lot of wonderful things in place to do our best to try to mitigate as much as we can um, the virus in, well, within our schools. And hearkening back again to my days in USC 259, if you get in trouble with the principal, is that a virtual going to the office? I mean, you do that. Absolutely. We still, we still will have the office virtually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I missed that personal contact with the principal and vice principal. Uh, what are you, what are your, how are your teachers and your staff generally handling, handling this pandemic circus we're in? How, how are they doing well, with this? Well, you, as you can imagine, we have from one end of the spectrum to the other. Uh, you know, there are some people that are like, okay, we got this. Um, you know, no worries, no worries. You know, you got those in the middle who are saying, okay, we can do it. I'm a little nervous, but we can do it. And then we do have those that are terrified. I mean, I just, just to be honest, I mean, you know, so we, we, have, we have lots of supports in place for teachers to try to uh, support them wherever they fall on the spectrum and we understand, uh, but again, um, we are an essential service as we now are known as, uh, and so we have a we have a job to do, and we're going to do our best to keep as our teachers as safe as we can, as well as our students, and that's uh, 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 that's the balance. I mean, you know, people want all their kids in schools. Teachers think that they shouldn't be in school. Some do. So some things you should be in school, some things you don't need to be in school. So, again, you have that wide range and the large spectrum. And so we've got to, you know, kind of teeter-totter in there and figure out what's the best balance to get in the middle or somewhere where we can kind of make sure that everybody's starting to feel comfortable with what we're trying to do. Well, you know, and I'm covering this story now as, as we have been for several months and, and personally being, you know, and stay at home and all that, that it takes uh, now and then it, it can be pretty, pretty depressing. I mean, it, it has an emotional toll beyond the, the physical toll. Uh, there are some dark Absolutely. So, so how, Absolutely. how do you keep your chin up? Do you go out and shoot baskets or what, what do you do? Because weren't you a basketball player back in the day? No, but I was like a pom-pom girl, oh. so I guess I could go out and shake my pom-poms. <laughs> well, you can do a cheer there in front of your staff. Don't yes, I, yes, what, yes, absolutely. Where does it well, come from? Where do you keep, How do you keep your chin up, doctor? What do, you, what do you do? Well, to be honest with you, you know, I am, you know, it may be uncomfortable for some, but I am a Christian. Yeah. And so I do, um, I do stay in prayer, and um, I, I make sure that I stay grounded there. Yeah. And I have a wonderful husband, and I have wonderful mother and father and aunts and uncles and cousins uh, that I'm able to uh, have conversations with, uh, distance, far away. <laughs> but we have, I'm able to call and have support system. And then, again, this community in Wichita has been very supportive uh, anytime I need anything, people check on you, you know, community leaders will check in on you. So again, it's just all of those things, um, together that has been able to keep my head up. Well, and uh, drawing on that ability as a cheerleader, that's without so many unknowns, I guess that's kind of what we needed. We needed a few cheerleaders. Maybe I can write a yes. cheer for you. I'll get it to you. And uh, you can please do, <laughs> and I'll do it. I'll, I'll do a video. <laughs> really? You promise? Yes, I will. <laughs> just, 
This could be good. Okay. Is there a chance, Doctor, that the situation will improve dramatically and we can get back to normal by maybe the first of the year? Are you holding out any hope for that? I am holding out. I hope that there becomes a vaccination soon. Um, I think that will be helpful for us. Uh, I also hope at some point that there's even better testing um, for our community. Um, Those are the two things that I'm hoping that soon we will be able to have those two pieces in place and we will be able to uh, move forward a little bit more uh, quicker. Yep, that's what I'm hearing. The testing, to me, is the key. we got to get some good testing and get get the results back quick so we can find out. Uh, exactly where we are and where we're going to, what we need to do next. Well, listen uh, to all the educators there in US, USD two five nine. You and your staff, and all the teachers and students, just our best uh, wishes for a great, great school year. Somehow we're going to muddle through this together. And thank you for spending some yes. time with us. We appreciate it, Doctor. Our guest is no problem. Yeah. I appreciate uh, the invitation. All right, our guest this week, Wichita School Superintendent Doctor Alicia Thompson. That's all for this edition of Issues twenty twenty. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.